This episode of Startup Stories is brought to you by our friends at Pure Scooters. Save time, save money, and save the planet with an electric scooter from Pure Scooters, the UK's most trusted electric scooter provider. Stay tuned to the end of this show to learn how you can win one of two electric scooters we're giving away in partnership with Pure Scooters. What would you do if your back was against the wall? Lee Wilcox was on the edge of bankruptcy when he decided to go all in on a new venture. I'm Jeremy Parsons from magicsubscriptions.com and today in Startup Stories with Adam Callow, you'll hear how Lee saw an industry that was lagging behind in social media could be transformed. So he and his co-founder sold services that weren't being bought, calling for skills they didn't have, serving a community that was eager for something new. Lee, thanks for joining us on the mic today. For the people that don't know who you are and what you're about, give us a quick intro to yourself. I am uh, Lee Wilcox. I am the CEO of On The Tools, uh, which is the largest construction community uh, in the world, I believe. I hope. Now I've just said it. Um, <laughs> Fact check. Yeah, it started four years ago. Um, and yeah, doing a lot in the construction space and, uh, and trying to sort of grow into the vertical. So. That's what I'm about at the moment. Yeah, so you just sort of tease where I really want to take the conversation to in terms of like your move into the agency and other verticals, but let's take a step back. You obviously didn't set out to build the largest community in the construction industry. Like, where does your, I'm going to say entrepreneurial journey start? Like, when did you realize you wanted to be your own boss? Oh, wow. So when I was a child, no, but but actually, I, as a kid, I did always have these things that I did so even um, I always remember doing it when I was in primary school did this uh, like penalty shootout because I knew I could make money from it and I begged the teacher for like a couple of weeks to get it done and, and they let me so every morning I brought my I carried my goalposts up to school um, set them up in the morning I had an hour before school where I charge a quid to enter into it um, got one of my mates to be the keeper and and because I knew I could make dough from it, and I did a we did um, like a tuck shop out of the school windows as well. Went to Morrison's, bought loads of dough. You know, so I, I I think I've always wanted to be in control. I'm a, maybe I'm a control freak, um, and from that um, I've ended up getting myself into a position where I, I could work for myself. But where does that come from? Like uh, parents and their own business? Like no, like so much no. Like, like where did you feel like you had permission to start your own thing? Because that's what most most people don't feel like that when they grow up. You know what mine was? So I've always tried loads of different things. So when I've always been in, you know, previous to this, I've always been employed. You know, I've never ran my own business, but I'd always had side hustles going. Always tried to do um, a clothing thing that went out where I worked, uh, Geeked it was called, and um, got, got it into a few stores as well. in, in Never heard stuff. about this. Yeah, well, I know. No one ever heard of the brand. It died. It died too early. Um, but I always had side things going on. I always wanted, I always knew I wanted to run my own and maybe I didn't have the, the balls to do it. But the reason I ended up starting on the tools is because it was like, it was shit or bust. I was in um, a monumental amount of debt from... Um, uh, bad management from living of, from living bad <laughs> yeah. management of finances and um, I'd got myself into a right pickle and um, you know without getting the tiny violin out and all that but, you know gone through a divorce and then had the sort of like all, all of that to, to go with and everything moved back to my parents uh, after that and I was at the point where I was having the conversation with my mum and dad being like I, like I think I should go bankrupt because I've got too much yeah. there's too much debt like um 
And then we came up with the idea for On The Tools and then that started growing and I thought, you know what, this is it. I'm going to go shit or bust on this. So I will either pull myself out of it or I will go bankrupt, but I'm going to go, I'm not, I'm not going to go bankrupt just by like throwing the towel. I'm going to go in trying to do this business basically. Uh, and last month I became debt free. Really? Yeah. Mate, super happy that's for you. Amazing, yeah, that's amazing, cool, man. I that's know, come that full circle. a big celebration. I went and got a credit card and blowed a load of money on it. Like, <laughs> you, you sort of really just glossed over like the idea for On The Tools. Um, stuff like that just doesn't come to people, especially if you're not in the construction industry. Like, where did you get that idea from? Like, what, what did you see? Yeah, we were pissed. So it was just who's a Friday we? night. Talk to me about so, who's we. Uh, me and Adam Barry. Ad is the co-founder, ex-tradesman. Um was in the trade for 12 years, was moaning about the fact he couldn't find a plaster on a job. So it was all about um, recruitment. On the Tools was born off the idea of being able to create a platform that would be free for trained people uh, at subcontractor to contractor level. So you, you, you have these things like rated people, check a trade, all these different things that, that allow B2C, yeah. but there's nothing there for the B2B market. And Ad's frustration was that you'd go through your phone book or, um, people that you knew because it's very you know the construction industry is is always a little bit further behind no matter what but it's such a word of mouth industry and you, you, i mean you know this better than anyone yeah, and, so. you know sucking eggs but um recruiters have got terrible uh, rep as well in, in the industry and a lot of them are bad and there's some great ones don't get me wrong but there's a there's a lot of shit around and i think what was happening was is that people were sitting at home without any work and and there was there was work you know and that connection just was not there and and you know it still isn't we didn't solve the problem you know we didn't do it so we went along that line of doing that and we woke up the next morning i remember ad rang me on the saturday morning he's on the way to work uh down in london somewhere on site um and he's like we're gonna do this then or not you know uh, and I, I said yeah i think we, i think we should i think it's a good idea you know so we we specced out um what the app would look like sent it off on a freelance website use like three credit cards just to spread the, the cost of it because neither of us had any dough like an ad love you know ad's got some stories about about his past <laughs> as well from a finance point of view we were both in a bit of a, a mess to be honest so it, it was quite timely and um and then we thought well if we can get a hundred thousand followers through social by the time we've got this app built we've got a market of tradespeople that we can connect and then three months in, we had 250,000 followers. The, the, the social channels were just booming from a content perspective. We got ripped off with the app. Um, we got it back. It was built in like iOS 3 and then they'd canned it. Um, I think it was like iOS 7 at this stage. And we were like, oh no, like this is really bad. Um, and then we rebuilt in the UK then and, and started doing that. But, you know, along the journey, we, we became something completely different. So just do me a favor. So you've got, you've got all this money on this app at what point did you realize you're no longer an app business and you are a your content machine for the construction industry um probably about two and a half years in i reckon i thought you're gonna say we're, we're still thinking about it. is that idea off the cards now in terms of where you're focusing it's in the graveyard at the minute yeah okay now, would i revisit it absolutely because i think there's a problem there within the industry still a problem to fix. so uh, i think there's still something there and i think you know uh uh, our mission is to connect construction in as many ways as uh, as we can and I think that that is still a problem we, we would love to solve but I don't think it can be part of our main mission at the minute makes sense so you end up creating this content it goes well you build the page 
people listening to this are like, great, you've got a nice Facebook page. Like, how do you make money? And what were those deals like? Because I work in this industry and social is like a, it's like a, a scary thing over here that no one really deals with well in our industry. Like, how did you manage to get the contracts and win the confidence to, to grow that into the, and I guess to set the context, like tell us about the size company you are now in terms of the team, like how far you've come in the last four years. Yeah, okay. So so there's, there's 35 of us um, uh, now. We're growing a lot at the moment, you know, Year on year, we're we're trebling revenue and and operating profit. So, um, you know, this year we're we're sort of pinned to do just under three and a half million revenue and and do a million pound operating profit. So we we you know as opposed to our first year where we made twenty grand, you know, uh, and we were but like high fiving chest chest pumps the lot. Do you I know think what I mean? spent like eighty like, grand of VC money in my yeah, first year. Like, I was like burning you know, stuff. Um, so sorry, yeah, the contract. So what, what did that look like? So. Well, the industry was behind and, and it was the reason that sort of pushed us down. We had a, a huge following that was like mega engaged, uber engaged in content. And we were looking at other um, publishers across social and being like, we're, well, we can do this better than they're doing that. And they're doing these huge brand deals, but very obviously on like the consumer side of things. So we're looking at construction and being like, who's doing this? And we're like, no one the brands aren't even doing it off their own back, let alone anyone being able to actually like, you know, be the influencer or, you know, the publisher in, in that sort of relationship. So how did, how did we do it? We, it's a mixture of like the black and, and being upfront enough to be out there and confident enough to, to talk your way through it. But equally it was like doing a lot of shit for free. Um, and, and really trying to like, um, hand, handheld, uh, approach of, of taking people through it. And, because what you've got to look at there is you've got nothing to pinpoint against, yeah. um, which is difficult. And that's really difficult from a pricing point of view. We didn't know what we were doing. We had no, and I'm talking like no idea. No one came from, we got no marketing backgrounds. You know, like my, I don't know what my background, my background is, is I've done as like as many jobs as, as I have like changed my pants this year. Do you know what I mean? Like I've done a lot of stuff and failed at pretty much all of it. And it was only the, I guess the, the, the last job I was employed at that I was, that I got good at. But Andy had come from a real commercial background, ads from the trade. You know, we were like scurrying around thinking like, we don't know what we're doing. Do we charge them a tenner? Like, what are we worth? You know, so you, you, you have to like look at your counterparts, do a load of digging, pretend to be other people to get right cards. You know, you do, you do what you can to grab all of the information you need. And, and, and even then you don't get it right. So um, no, no. How much are you charging for yeah. <laughs> one million? For no. Um, so I think that we didn't know what to charge. Yeah. So we, we did everything as uh, really cheap, and, and we knew we were doing it cheap. But we knew we needed case studies. We had no case studies. So going out to a, an industry that doesn't use social, telling them that it's the thing they should be using, and then having no case studies of your own or anyone to use as an example that's doing it well, it was like knocking on so many doors that, that were never going to open. I guess that's my question is, there must have been a huge education piece. And in terms of how quickly you're growing now, is that a result of the market understanding how much value you drive or you guys just being, don't want to say the only player in town on that space, but is it because they go, actually, there's no one else with the following there, so we'll just pay what they charge? Like, which which side of that is it? Um, I, I'd probably say it's a bit... It's probably be a bit of both. Um, you know, we've seen people's budgets increase for social over the last two years. We knew that was going to happen. The swing was was happening when we first sort of started getting into it. And a few people like 
bit and, and we got some work with them and then the next year they come back and go actually you want to do a bit more and we're like okay and, and the inbound at one point got real big because um, I think people were switching on to social but I do think there is an element that, that we're pretty unique in, in the space and therefore when you you look at that you've got um, one end of the scale you've got something that's unique with um, high growth high engagement high views and then you've got an industry that doesn't really understand social as much then the the, the gap in between then is it's quite an easy journey isn't it it's like well we need to go to them because they're the ones who are doing it well at the minute and so I think it is a, it is part of that as well which um, and, and and backed up by the fact that we've had a lot of successes and we use you know obviously we talk about them as, as much as we can um, so I think we've we've earned a place at the table I guess um, over the years so I, I just want to take that that seat at the table to talk about where you're moving to next with the business so from my understanding is you're moving to a a new brand yep I don't know how much we can talk about, but uh, the original question that I wanted to get onto the mics is a result of what you're moving to now, how much of it, before I ask this question, do you want to tell people how you are evolving the business? What does the next stage of what you're doing is? Yeah. Okay. So what we quite quickly realized when we started doing lots of branded content and working, working with clients was that we'd got a, managed to get ourselves into a, a, a good position with the talent we'd brought into the business. and. You know, we've got an amazing team and, and they got really good, really quick at creating content for social within construction. And then then what we started realizing was that, that when we look across, we use a thing called Tubular, uh, Tubular Insights, which is um, an amalgamation of all video content across Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, et cetera. And it pins publishers um, and clients and, and publishers and brands yeah. and puts them into sort of like a league table effectively based on what content's been created. So each month you can check where you're at each week, each day, yeah, in different sectors. Oh, and, cool. Never and heard so, that. Yeah, so we got that and started looking at that and thinking, well, how can we utilize this? But also, you know, how are we performing against some of these other guys? And then, then we started realizing, oh, actually, like we're in construction, but we're, we're, we're beating all these people who are in the consumer market when we're working with clients. And we're like, you know, you've got like scruffs workwear for instance one of our clients did massive piece of work with them last year um through like a retained uh, campaign you know they're like you've got scruffs workwear which is an industry a great brand but they're they're in an industry there's no reason for them to be being purchased or being seen outside of that industry yep yet they're like knocking around with like huge like, walkers and you know FIFA uh, and, and you're like that's amazing for us because we're what we're doing is being able to make things that are niche uh, far more broad and, and, and get people those views that, that they can't you know they can't buy you know you can't go and buy that so then we start looking at it and going okay well if we can do that within construction what can we do what can we do in other sectors how can we expand the skill set that we've built within the business and the understanding and the knowledge and and expand that into into different verticals. So that's where we sit now. I guess a follow-up question for me is how much of this was a a planned move and how much of this was reactive to what's just happening on the platforms with their move to communities? Um, you know what? For once, I'm actually going to back myself and, and say it was planned because we've been, we've been working on this really for like the past sort of 12 months. Now, that was with knowledge that things were going to change through the platform but also with like 
licking our fingers and going, we think it's going to go this way. And as we got closer to it, we were like, yeah, it is going where we thought it was going to. Yeah. Now we could have pivoted anyway and changed back to different ways, but we've been working on how we can build this structure in place to have the mother brand and, and ultimately grow more communities. I think we've just got um, ourselves into a good position having decent partnerships with some of the platforms to understand in a bit more detail where they they could go um so yeah i think for once it was that and we don't plan much i'll be honest we're a really agile business in the sense that we probably plan we have a, a year's plan from a, a a revenue and operating profit perspective yeah but we we fail real fast um and we're pretty agile and and we probably plan every quarter you know and then we get to the corner and go okay this is going well, well should we stay on this and if not then we we pivot again and so the, but i do think this like longer term strategy is ha, has been a a planned one yeah which is and only only now that you've asked me have i realized that that's the case and i feel quite chuffed about it <laughs> i can tell shoulders shoulders back a little bit over there. what's the biggest risk for this right now like this feels like a big bet would you, would you agree with that? It feels like a big bet or do you think it's more calculating de-risk? Yeah, I think there's a de-risk element of it though. Um, however, what I would say to counteract that is that I think there's still risk with the platforms themselves and I think there always will be. And, and um, we're trying to work on things, you know, like in the next two years, all of those messenger platforms will be one. Like there will be one profile. We will do everything through it. We will buy things through it. We will sell things through it. We will order taxes through it. We'll eat through it. Like we'll have VR um, calls through it, you know, and we want to make sure that our, our strategy is that we know that that starts at communities first and we build those communities and then we work out how we can take those communities through to the messenger platforms because that in three years time if we've not done that we will we'll probably die the communities will yep as an agency how much time do you spend on forward-thinking products like that and learning and testing compared to i just want to use it like billables like how much time do you allocate inside the company i guess through the different teams so the social team are now starting to do a lot more tests and it was something that that, that i brought up at the, at the start of every year I always get everyone together on the first day and we have a day where i'm like really trying to explain where I can sort of see the vision and, and you know what the targets are and how we want to you know the things we want to do and the aspirations we've got and, and one of them was that I've really wanted people to just like fuck shit up I, I, I want people to like try things fail come back with it and and the, the whole point of it was was like do what you want for like a two-week period on testing something just don't spend stupid amounts of money on it and don't do it for too long you know it doesn't take long to understand whether something's got something in it or or, or not and and i really and, and we've, we've not no way have we got that perfect yet and um we're not doing it anywhere near as much as i thought we would actually but because people's jobs take over and those side hustles and projects and tests aren't uh, as prevalent i think but i would love i think that's a cultural thing as well that i want to try and really build through the business is that that um really not being afraid to to test things but i don't think we've we've i don't think we've nailed that yet why um, is that probably a time thing probably because people are concentrating not too much because you know money's the 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 bloodline of the business but the billables are, are there and that, that client side is is heavily there and it's only now we've, we've just done a bit of a restructure with the social team and the original content team and they're all in one team now so we're starting to see that align a little bit more in terms of like the new tools and strategies that are being pushed through the platforms and then how we can create content through that quite quickly. And so 
we will get there but it, it's like anything isn't it you go through these we're like next year will be a different business to what we are this year and I think because of the growth so quick at the moment every year we're just a completely different business and next year will be this new um, media business you know this community first media business that um, is driving community growth and um, client satisfaction and return at the same time which but we'll be doing it in a better way because there'll be people leading up these communities whereas at the minute we've not got that right it's very much client focused and, and that's difficult when you're trying to like solve real problems in communities I guess that's what takes me on to where I sort of want to end this for me selfishly is you've got on the tools right now and it's successful going great as you sort of build these other verticals out how do you think about the, the org structure do you have like one person that's great on social and then you wrap it across as a layer across all the verticals or do you still have the, the OTT team uh, not in a budget like how does that scale like how are you thinking about that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's interesting, actually, because we've, we've, it's really difficult to get that structure right. And we've tried it a few different ways before. And, and you know, do you go an expert on platform and have someone can, that can oversee that? And then you, you, it doesn't matter what communities you're doing. Or do you have an expert on community, no matter what platform, and replicate that? So, you know, you'd have on the tools team that deals with all the platforms, which is the way we're going with it. Because communities are led and, and driven by people that really understand the community. And I think if you don't have that insight and you're like a robot that understands the platform better than you do the community, the community won't be put first. So, so you'd have silos of teams that then feed into the people that know how to operate on the platform. Yeah. But the activity comes from the people that understand the community first. And it's the shared learning, isn't it, as well? So you have those communities that really, really understand the community. And then you have the shared learning across the platforms, which the shared learning has to be put across the whole business because it's not just the social team that needs to understand the platform. How do you do that? I mean, you've, you've been in our office today. We're waiting for you to bloody move out of yours because we're fragmented here yeah and that's it sounds odd but there's literally a corridor between our our small team but it makes a difference doesn't it a huge difference so how do you think about getting learnings from hero on the ott community team across the whole org we, we look we um we've really struggled with comms i think comms is probably um you know and i openly say it's probably our biggest downfall within the business i'm looking at jamie now and give me a little nod but we, it's it's something that i'm really really focused on trying to sort of resolve and, and at the minute i don't think we're using the right communication platforms either like we use slack at the moment so um i think it's a great platform this isn't me knocking it at all i think it's amazing actually um however i think as well when your teams are scaling if that isn't set out and used in the right way shit just gets lost um and and i think what we've got to do a lot better is um that shared learning at the minute is done through um meetings and like it's not planned it's reactive it's really reactive whereas we want to get to a point where we've got a, a comms team within the business that can make sure that people are learning we're doing lunch and learns we're doing uh, shared practices at a certain point where you can just dip in and out of if you want to be there and if not it will be you know sent out through the company and people need to read it and do you know what I mean so there's but we haven't got it yet we really haven't um, we're, we're good at we're very very good when at project level like amazing actually from a communication point of view in terms of our processes and, and the, the client side of things and equally creating content but the shared learning part we've still not got right yet not to get too granular but like uh, what do you use from a project level to like manage client work Asana use Asana okay and it's it's pretty good yeah we've went to Asana Trello and now on this thing called Monday.com which Monday, is yeah, yeah, I've yeah. seen that I've tried I've, I've done 
the same as you, mate, and gone through them all. Asana as just we we pay for like um like a higher package with Asana now to like customize it more, and we've still got to get that nailed as well a bit, but we we got it down to project level but we've just brought we've got account managers coming into the team now as well and uh, as opposed to just having the client partners dealing with the accounts that uh, the, the clients we now have account managers that are day-to-day and we can build those relationships a lot better and, and ultimately manage their expectations and their return a lot better and they're looking at how asana works now from a different point of view okay um because someone one of the, the um kirsten who'd been brilliant through social um, applied for the account manager role and, and, and has now took that so she's seen it from the other end and understanding a few other things probably some bugbears that she had in social and now goes oh I get that but this is how we're going to improve it Yeah. so there's for me because of the rate the business is growing all we're, all we're ever doing every single week and I mean this like if not every day but every single week is just like fucking something up and getting it wrong and then going oh my god that was terrible and then going, how do we not do that again? And then improving it, and everyone gets that message, and then we go again, and and it's just that. So like, if we can do fifty-two improvements each year, bang on, we will be successful. It's it's making the mistakes, or you know, two three times, and you know, losing those clients, or or you know, losing team members' morale, like really like hitting things that are bad. But you, you know, I think as long as we like take note of things and and improve them then it's that iteration after iteration after iteration it will soon become close to good i could spend ages talking about like how you build that as a culture but that'll probably be another hour on the show that you probably don't have it's like good enough is good enough for me and i think that's the thing with it it's like we're not a perfect business at like we're just really not um in the way we plan and we approach but we're really really good at um making sure we don't make mistakes like twice to, and I think that really helps and we've got that sort of mantra through the business is that when someone's when something goes really wrong there's no like no one's getting bollocked you know no one's like getting a tailing off outside somewhere or like it's not like that unless you go around punching someone or something then you know you, you're going to be all right in the business because it's that opportunity for people to go I've got it wrong here's the information on it um this is what we've done to try and counteract it and that's it so I can't really know. so before we move on I do I just want to follow up with that then I guess something that's what I think about is what do you actually fire people for? If you've got that mindset and culture, like what actually pushes you to the brink of letting someone go? Um, if if someone's behavior, consistent behavior is at the detriment to another person within the business, then they're gone. Because culturally it's just like, yep. it's poisonous. Um, and then like a lot of, inc- like a lot of poor performance. And I mean like consistent poor performance over quite a long period of time. Like we really give, I've only done it once. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like it's something that You've happens. You've only fired at, one person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the four years. And we've had, um, like, what, maybe one not get through the probation and it was like a, you know, a mutual, like, yeah, you know, probably not right. And then one left to go to uni. Um, but j- just from my, like, knowledge of, like, small businesses. Low, like, but what, why? Is, and I'm going to ask you straight, is it because you're soft or, and you coach people through that? We coach, we're like, with there's a real coaching mentality. You know, I have a, I have a, uh, a business coach, yeah. Ad as a life coach, um, and you can call them the same thing, to be honest, really. We both have coaches. Um, I prefer imagining Ad as a life coach. The same one, the same one. We both go to the same one. And yeah. um, that coaching mentality has been like driven through the business and that's happening now. Like, you know, Ad starting to mentor people within the business and and you know we've got this um 
we've got a book that we're now like sort of circulating through the sort of management team and um, uh, one minute one minute manager meets the monkey um, you should read it it's great um, and again that's it's all about like how how do you lead how do you coach if if someone got the boot out of our business because they've had like one month not being very good then like we're not doing our job properly like you can't it, you can't get rid of someone after that period of time if after six months and you and you feel like you've gone through everything you could have gone through in the coach and the performance is still really low then then you've got to do something on the basis that you've got other people to look after in that business that are going to be affected by that person's performance. And often when it gets to that point, both parties know it's, and, and that's why it's a better way to do it because along the way you're giving these signals going, look, we're getting to a point of no return, like it, but we're, but we're willing to put the time in. This is what needs to happen. I think from a performance perspective, I'm probably a little bit shorter than you on the, on the fuse. I'll say, uh, I guess the one thing that shocks me is we've, I don't know we're, we're 12 people now and I've fired five uh, one specifically down to performance but four down to culture uh, and I guess what it indicates to me when you said that I was like wow you must have a, a great feel like I, I'll use the EQ term like you must know how do you do that because it feels like we've got the same mentality of how we let go of people if they're, a, if they're poisonous to the culture you protect it with their life yeah. like how are you getting that that culture fit so right or am I just getting it so fucking wrong? <laughs> no, I don't think. I, I don't think there's. You're not getting it wrong. No way. I, I think. Um, how do we get it right? I don't know whether we we got lucky earlier on, so that we got a real base of people in to set that standard, um, or maybe we're just like really great people that are magnetised to other great people. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's a, the culture part of it for me, my previous role that I was in, like the culture, the churn was high, like real high. Yeah, so and, I had a call centre job at one point. And, so and, like, and I promised myself I'd never get into a business and I definitely wasn't going to run a business that was going to be like that. And I think the culture part of it to me is is the most thing, it's the most, I'm the most passionate about that than I am anything else. Um, the people, like not having that Sunday night feeling or the Monday morning feeling, you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I've got to go to work. Like I hate my life at the minute. Like I've had that for a consistent period of time and that you're never going to run a successful business if you've got even two or three people in your business that feel like that. And, and, and I guess that brings me back onto that good enough is good enough. I'm not saying everyone needs to feel like you do about the business because that's impossible as well. But if you can get people to that 80%, good enough is good enough. That is like banging. And it's a big learning for me right now. And that and that's the that's the bit as well on the performance. If you can get people at 80% of the perform happiness, performance, all of it, 80%, you are laughing like that business is is winning regardless of what anyone tries to do to it. But it, and sometimes you can sweat over too much to try and get things at perfection and you, you're never really going to get them there. It's like, or you miss the boat on something like, if it's good enough, get it going. Yeah. And then we'll like, we'll try and like polish it as we go along, you know, and that's always been our sort of, and whether that's right or not, I don't know, but that's sort of our mentality with it. It's like, no, we're never going to get it to perfect because we're not like that. We've never been like it. We like bounce off the walls until we get to the bit we're meant to get to. Yeah, I think I think I sort of um, fall on the other side of the extreme where I'm like, I'm trying to eke out like the incremental like, no, no, I can get a little bit more efficiency out of that person in that position. But I think that's always good as well. You've got to be pushing people. You've got to be, and the business as well. And, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's just, 
Look, I, th- I always look at it the other end. So like the performance part of it for me always comes from the happiness bit to start with. So if someone's happy and they're fulfilled and they think they've got the support, then they will do a good job. And if they don't, then that's when they're not right for the business and the business isn't right for them. That's it. Do you know what I think it boils down to for me though? Um, I'm using this a bit of a therapy session. It's good, I know. I'm Be- into it. Because, <laughs> because, because we did that VC treadmill and I'm now trying to re-engineer my model yeah. to make sure that we can choose our own destiny and become profitable and choose our own path maybe that's the reason the last two years I've been like no fucking every penny counts we're not raising money we're doing it ourselves so maybe that's where I've gone a bit I was going to say a bit Hitler on it but Harry might edit that out shook his head that's what Jamie says to me when I drop a C-bomb in the podcast let's <laughs> <laughs> make a quick note of that for you there right? um, well I think that's probably where I've gone a bit OTT on it and that's because I just want to get off that treadmill so maybe I've, I've taken that approach we always end this show, Lee, with some fast fire questions. Uh, okay. But before I do, I'm probably going to add this one in because I just want to know it from you. Um, what keeps you awake? This isn't one of the questions, so you, can, you don't have to do this as a fast fire, but what actually keeps you awake at night with the business? Or you can say nothing. I don't mind. Like, is there anything right now that keeps you awake? Uh, yeah, there's a few things. Um, what keeps me awake? I think the, the, the platform side of things... Um, keeps me awake you know the, 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 those things change so much and so often that um, there's always a thing in my head where I'm like mm, you know we've got to be super careful I, I'm, I'll tell you what keeps me up is the de-risk how do we de-risk the business and I don't mean financially I mean how do we de-risk it in terms of the business model that we have I'm, I'm always thinking about that um, what else am I always thinking about and I I, I, <laughs> I do I do obsess over the um are we doing enough? Am I doing enough? And are we doing enough for everyone that works in the business? Like I had this conversation with my coach actually with Gav, and and I and I was like, I at the moment I've really like we were talking about it before, but I've come off the bad uh, uh, spell of like being ill, and I, and it's because when I, I run at a speed, trying to make sure that everyone is supported, so I don't feel like everyone works for me. I'm like I work for everyone else. That's a fact, and. But in having that mentality, which I think is a good one, but the detriment to that is is me at literally just Lee Wilcox as a human. And I mean like my mental health, my physical health. Um, and that's where I've probably got it wrong at the moment. So at the moment I'm really trying to focus on like getting myself a bit like healthier, like just well again. Um, but I've really got to focus on that being a bit more selfish I think yeah. and now I, I use the word selfish and it's stupid because I shouldn't use that yeah, but that's sort of where normal. I'm wide minute but I should be making sure that I'm saying no to more things I'm putting like my gym sessions in the week wherever it doesn't matter but I, if I will always give something up um, that's that's booked in my diary that's for me over someone else's so if there's a meeting that comes up that someone wants me in I'm like I will be there for you now the longer term uh, detriment on that is that I die because I just run myself <laughs> into the ground. It's got morbid. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then and then the business doesn't operate in the way that it's meant to, you know. And at the moment, I know I'm the best person to take this business forward. Now, will that be the same thing in like four or five years' time? Probably not. It will grow. It will, it will outgrow me and 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 There's my a whole new show and, that I could go yeah, into on that point. But I think the key thing here is that I know I need to in order for me to have that mentality of serving my people 
in the best way possible that isn't me just saying yes and dropping everything that, that is actually just going to make me healthy. So I've really got like a focus over the next month to get myself into a, a, an habitual nature of, of me, me first, which is actually putting everyone else first, but I've just not got that. I've not really understood that. But I'm starting to a bit, I think. I guess it's that old analogy that when you get on a plane and it goes down, you put your own mask on first so you can help other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, isn't it? And I'm not putting the mask on. I'm, like, I'm just dishing it out and then choking. <laughs> uh, randomly is as you were talking I thought do you know when you piss someone off in the team and you know you've upset someone yeah how long does that sit with you for out of curiosity does it, does it go as soon as you know you've annoyed someone and you're out the room and it's gone or do you stew on it for ages no well it depends I just deal with it so like if, if I know I've pissed someone off I will go and I will go and do it like you know uh, <laughs> when I was away me, me and Andy I, I text Andy about something and I knew I'd pissed him off so and, and I was I was ill as anything on 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 this ship and and then the next morning when I got signal again I texted him and was like mate sorry this is what happened I was out of order there and shouldn't have said that but this is what needs to happen moving forward it's dealt with and we've got a um, there's a culture of that as well within the business it's like there's no point in not going off and shooting about it in the corner if you we have to just communicate about it we all love each other so therefore it will just be resolved at some point but you the, that whole I never try and stew over it for too long because I always try and like speak to the person that I've pissed off or or equally if they've pissed me off then I'll, I'll, I can't I will do it for a couple of hours in the evening and then I'm like okay I've got to get out of what am I doing here other than like making myself ill with, like mentally you know just yep. stewing everything so I'll just pick the phone up or go and see them and go like this is what's happened what, how do we you know it doesn't happen very often but when it does I think like anything performance you know and this is what the one minute manager uh, meets the monkey does it's 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 all about um dealing with things as they happen and and um uh having those 60 seconds to to praise or to uh, reprimand and it's, okay. it's that it's that model we just answered one of the fast fire questions all right so. that's good. I'm <laughs> you're, ahead you're already it. ahead of the curve uh, let's get into these so my biggest problem right now is not following up but i'll do my best otherwise you will be here for another hour um so the first one what's the one thing that you know now that you would tell the 18 year old version of yourself oh wow um oh gosh it would probably be um that i'm way better at stuff than i than i'd give myself credit for i like that okay uh, and by the way uh, jamie these are perfect for you for social by the way because he's just this is his goal in yeah, terms yeah, of like yeah, these yeah. snippets <laughs> uh next one is what's the number one tool service or hack that you use to get work done that other people might not know about tool service um and then we spoke about asana i use asana a lot that's like my brain dump um probably the one i use the most um yeah i think that that's more yeah I, anything that's on my mind i drop it into that list and i know then even like personal stuff anything yeah oh, yeah, okay. yeah yeah anything because it, your brain can only take so much information can't it and getting it out onto there that the the next morning's got a process that i'll look and then go how do i get that into my calendar i know it's going to get done or kendall will like you know someone will anyway so it's i know it's like off my brain and I, don't, I won't forget it. Yes, I, I want to follow up again. I want to know like how you, okay, I'm not going to go into that, but in terms of you have a process every morning of anything you dumped the previous day. We have a definitely do at the start of every week okay. and then I try, it just depends where I am and stuff, but. That's um, pretty cool though. I like that in terms of brain dumping, have a set time, either bin it off. I used to use Asana as an actual list so that I would just, each day I'd like, 
move it to where I'm meant to be working. But what I quickly, well, not actually not quickly at all, but what I realized over a period of time was that I just wasn't getting stuff done because it wasn't in my calendar and I wasn't blocking out the time. That doesn't, I don't go granular with like each bit, but I'm like, blocking out and Kendall's got has been brilliant since she's came on board just tell people who Kendall is sorry Kendall is is my PA um, which you know by the way PAs run businesses end of like if you've not got one and you're in a position where you're growing a business get one I'm I'm looking at you I know Um, (laughs) uh, because it's it's that support that I think anyone who's really trying to drive a a growing business forward the capacity of one person's uh, brain and, and actually where you really should be focusing your time is dealt with like Kendall is just like a productivity ninja and and for me she's like come in and put her own processes in place with my calendar and and I'm like she's doing things before I've even thought of them you know and and then you really what happens then is you really then start to understand that you know what you don't have to do everything most of the time everyone else is better than you like that is the truth And, and if you can get to that point then again you've won because you can have the vision and you can put the things in place and then you've got some great people around you who are actually going to do it better than you do it anyway. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, top advice. I'm glad I'm followed up actually. Um, it's been on my to-do list since, uh, probably since we started talking probably about 18 months ago. Get a PA. Yeah. Um, I just can't pull, I don't know why, I just can't, I can't, pull, it. I can't like pull the it, trigger on it within the first month you'll realise I think it's a trust it. thing as well I think like I don't know there's nothing interesting in my inbox but I imagine there is yeah okay I'll get over that we can talk about this for a long time I know actually. I'll report yeah. back um, okay next one for me is what's the best piece of advice you've been given and who gave it to you well, that's a real toughie that is I love the fact I didn't send these to you ahead of time everyone else has got these ahead of time I think oh, so far really yeah. well, thanks for that mate it's okay um, who well, come back to that. Ask me the next one. I'm going to be thinking that in the background. I will have something. Come back to that. Okay, you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, what was... This is an interesting one. Uh, what's the last thing that you looked at and thought, if I wasn't doing on the tools, I'd convert that into a business? That's what I'd be doing. That's the problem that I'd be fixing. Oh, gosh. Um, what is the last thing I looked at? Um, you know, I, I think I would... I would do something surrounding um, either like personal finances and and, um, people's sort of education on that. I haven't seen that anywhere and been like, oh, that's a great business model. But like, I love the new like challenger banks things that are coming up and I'm really, really interested in in that, in that space at the minute in terms of how that's going to change the game and the way people live their lives and, and, and the, how much more informed we'll be as a, as a society based on the technology because I think the banking world has been real slow on like improving people's lives um, so maybe something in, in that sector if not then something I tell you what I did see one and I met with a guy and it's a wicked business called Beam right and people should go and check it out and um, it's a guy who is is trying to solve homelessness but also turn that into then um careers so he's it's like crowdfunding for um people who want to get back into work by training through city and guilds um so you effectively crowdfund to raise the amount of money for them to go through the city and guilds and then they take them through to then get them housed oh wow so they sort of handhold that process make sure the money's being spent in the right place such a good idea that's pretty cool um uh, uh, what's um, the company called beam b-e-a-m 
really good. I, something like that. I, when I sat with him and spoke to him and was like, this is so selfless, but then so exciting at the same time. Impact. Big yeah, impact. Yeah, yeah. It's huge, huge. You've done this one, but I'm going to ask you anyway, just so Jamie's got a, a clip for your social. Oh, okay. And you've got more time to think about the last one. If you can recommend one book or podcast, what is it? Yeah, I would, the book I would be uh, One Minute Manager Meets the Monkey. Nice and um, easy. Yeah, Belter. Next one, excluding family and your co-founder. <laughs> so I want to add popping up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's too easy. Who's had the largest impact in your life? So like no girlfriend, no family, or all, all, all Not that. the obvious no, ones. Yeah, yep. okay. Um, yeah, uh, Gav Malali, my coach. Okay. Um, by a thousand percent. And how long have you been meeting with him as a coach, formally? Um, about 18 months. And I'm going to follow up with this, I've got to. Why do you answer, Gav? Like, what's the thing? If you had to put in a sentence, why would you say a business coach had the biggest impact? Or specifically, Gav has had the biggest impact? Um, specifically, Gav, I guess. And, and, and I think it would be the case for, you know, the right coach. I'm not saying every coach, because you've got to have a click with the people that you're working with, I think. Um, but he is the most he is the most positive um person i've ever met and and but can also approach any situation with this huge wealth of knowledge um but in a way that you don't feel like you're being sort of like just go and do that and you'll be fine there's no like um it's not done in a way where you think this geezer just re- reeling off some like old hack or some business hack that, you know, yeah. he's sort of been there and done it. He's got the experience. Um, and the amount of like passion and belief that he's, that he's got in me, I think is so um, like inspiring that, you, that I don't come out of there. Even, you know, I'm not, like, I mean, I've sobbed in front of this geezer, like, you know, my heart out. And I think, you get to the point where you have that connection with someone that you know anything's possible when when you're when you're with each other to, and you're communicating and you're trying to get these things solved. But not only from a business point of view, but just from a life point of view. No matter what sort of like coming up, you know that you've got that support of someone that isn't part of your family that's going to maybe give you the advice that they want to give you because they just want you to be okay. Yeah, he's you know, like there's some tough love that comes through these sessions, like real, you know. Um, and I think it's that balance uh, of, of all of it. But I think having someone behind you, you know, is like, they are like gunning for you. Um, it, it's it's powerful. Like it, it's a powerful thing. Great answer. Like that one. I'm going to revert back to the previous one. You got something. While I ask you if you got something, I'm trying to find out which bloody question it was. It was um, best, piece of advice. best piece of advice. And who gave it to you? And who gave it to me? What comes to mind? There's one guy, a guy called, and it was when oh, me, this is going. He's laughing me, about it. Yeah, yeah, and I can't fully remember what the wording on was, what it was, but we, me and Mark went over to. So it was one of Mark's old clients from when he was a banker. Um, it's a guy called uh, Glenn Keeling, and he is super successful guy who um, founded and um, sold out of Autonet Insurance. And we went and played golf with him over in uh, in Malaga. This was like three years ago. And, you know, we, we didn't really know why we were meeting him. We just knew we needed to. And he would give us some advice and potentially like we were thinking about, do we raise money and could we get it from him? And, you know, all these yep. things. And he 
we had all these ideas and I, I look back now and think god we didn't know what we were going on about because we didn't know what we were or or anything or even i didn't know who i was in terms of like what, what i wanted for anything but and we i think we we i remember sitting at breakfast and we we played the valderrama so it's this really like posh golf course like mega you can't get on there unless you've got membership and and like even then it's just insane and it was in this really posh like breakfast bit i didn't know what i was doing I didn't know what the fork was you know i didn't know which knife before was which or anything and uh we've like really passionately laid out all these like mad plans and then um he his advice to us was that all of this basically means shit like we're too early to have any plan and that we should um tr literally try everything we could every single revenue model just try it even if you think it's not going to be necessarily like this is early stages isn't it? like early like later down, later down the line but he was like in that first like year that you're doing things he's like just try as many different ways to make money because it'll be the one that you think is just shit and that you shouldn't do that'll be the one that actually works all the ones that are planned he's like all these ideas you've just come up to me, with me he said I bet none of them work okay. and we went away and I remember Mark, Mark always goes on about it you know I remember what I remember <laughs> what uh, Glenn said there and and it does ring true because actually if I think back to the things we've tried none of them were the ones that we thought were going to work the stuff what, what do we do now as a business I didn't even think we were going to do it like so it comes back to the course that you build fail, do lots fail fast learn do lots fail fast and continue yeah yeah no, so cool. yeah Glenn, feels Glenn, like it's had Glenn an healing okay feels like it's had an impact in terms of how you lead the company yeah, as yeah. well last one from me Lee people listen to this predominantly going to be like founders first time founders thinking about starting their own business for the people listening in that sort of state of mind what's the best piece of advice you would give to a first time founder have they started the business yeah cool you're doing what I did on your show just like yeah, qualifying yeah. the question um, no they are they're about to make they're a about jump about to make a jump let's go with that one I like the fact you qualified that though they are they are confirmed entrepreneur you don't have to worry about okay. this is hard um, go and get a mentor no go and get five mentors like go and meet with as many people as you can meet with um, early doors and you know later down the line I'm obviously going to be saying go and get a coach but I wouldn't at that stage because you, you, you won't want to be spending the money on it yeah. but there's so many people out there that I when I first started that I got intro into or, or, or whatever that gave me like so much of their time when they like really just didn't need to and I think you'd be surprised as a founder it, if you ask for something of someone and it's mainly their time and not their money you probably get it you don't have to try a lot but maybe look, look at the business that you're trying to do yeah and the idea you've got look for three key stakeholders that you think are within that sector that you think okay like or ask friends of people who are in the industry or whatever it might be but just get like three or four people that you can go and see once a quarter so then really once a month then you're meeting with someone that you know even if you just have a half an hour with them they're going to like hopefully stop you from making one less mistake that's that's why i would you know and i didn't do that from the beginning i was like we're just like doing i don't know what i'm doing like you know it's probably only over the last two years that I've that I've I've met so many people that have given me so much of their time, and now now I do this. I'm like, if some I did one today, a guy I've been trying to get in contact with me from um, oh, wicked business, um, in, super smart kid, um, 
and had been wanting to just meet me just just to sort of get advice and stuff and I, I do it as much as I can because it's that whole like pay it forward lark in it you know not just saying this because you're in front of me that's possibly the my favorite bit of advice because it resonates with me like if I could go back I would spend more time because I'm doing the same thing now this show I'm just trying to spend time with interesting people it's selfish of me to do this but it's amazing what you can pick up with just 30 minutes with someone that you respect if I had not met you for that ruby up the road there for that curry I reckon we would have gone and raised some money and and absolutely fucked ourselves that's cool uh, I really, really believe that, and I think. Did you pay for that, or did you? Did I lose credit card roulette again on no, that you one? You lost yet? it. You lost all of them, I think. Um, I really believe that. Um, so I think th- there's a there's there's such power in meeting as many people as possible, even if you just think like, oh, I don't know whether this is going to be worth it or not. Just do this, it. Like, this makes my my segue at the end so easy. If people want to meet you. Yes. How do they do it? Where can people find you? Where do you want to point people to to learn more about you or what you're working on? Uh, LinkedIn is the best place uh, or the podcast. How's your week been? Uh, season two will be starting soon, won't it, Jamie? You, if you close season one? Close season one. Oh, you had, a, you had a competition on there. Like, who won the competition? Out of curiosity? Oh, the person who won the competition was a guy called Adam Callow. He cheated, yes. I think. But um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and LinkedIn and like message me. Just drop me a uh, jump in my DM man um and uh message me and if you want to meet up we will kendall because she's a productivity ninja we'll make it happen um and you know the more people i can meet the better and uh or just drop message if you just want some advice or whatever and you know by no means am i the guru to dish out advice but i'll help where i can lee I could do this for another two hours. Super appreciate your time. Thanks. Harrison will kill us though, won't he? <laughs> Especially with the cold that I've yeah. got. <laughs> Loads of edits. Super appreciate it, mate. You've been a diamond. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers, dude. Thanks for listening to this Startup Story. We bring you first-hand stories from a wide range of startup businesses. And you can help us out by rating the show on your podcast provider or head to nbs.fm where you can sign up for sneak previews and more. If you have an idea for a guest for Adam with a startup story to tell, please email your suggestion to jeremy at nbs.fm. This is the end of season one. Hope you've enjoyed it. We're planning some special bonuses just for you, and we're already working hard on season two. So make sure you subscribe to Startup Stories from nbs.fm, and I'll see you next time. Hey guys, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode of the Startup Stories, sponsored by our friends over at Pure Scooters. Save time, save money, and save the planet with an electric scooter from Pure Scooters. Now it's your opportunity to win one of two scooters. Now Adam, this sounds awfully familiar to me. What was the uh, closing date of the competition? So it was the 17th of July, but you've reminded me that that was the last episode of the season and the closing date was meant to be the 17th of August. You see, this is what happens when you leave me to my own devices and I record an advert on my own. So that means, guys, that you've still got time to enter the competition and win one of two free scooters from Pure Scooters. And we've made entering super simple. Head over to pure.nbs.fm. That's pure.nbs.fm to enter to win one of these two scooters that we're giving away on the 17th 
of August. We're going to do a live prize draw within our Facebook group. If you're not a member yet, head over to Startup Diary Club on Facebook so you can watch the live prize draw. In case you miss it, don't worry. We will be releasing an episode to announce the winners. And thanks again to our friends over at Pure Scooters for sponsoring Startup Stories. Startup Stories.